0: reasonable time that's the nothing personal word of the day it is december 22nd 2022 we are coming to the end of the 2022 year but we will never come to the end of such great content from our main man scott boris let's review it's not even an obsession with me it's just like with danny snyder and jerry jones and just they give you so much every day We woke up yesterday to the Carlos Correa news, to the one-two switch. Hawaii, it was intrigue. It was like international intrigue. Steve Cohen is sipping margaritas in Hawaii. Scott Boris and Carlos Correa are in a connecting rooms in San Francisco in their pajamas, snuggling, talking about what they're going to do. And then a contract is signed with the Mets, of course, pending physicals. But we knew yesterday after talking about it that more was going to come out. We knew the Giants were gonna have to make a statement. We knew that Scott Boris was gonna talk because that's what he does. We knew that Steve Cohn was gonna have to say a few words because this shook the baseball world, what happened. I, I think it's important for you to realize that following the news, when people woke up to the Correa News yesterday of him signing with the Mets for only you know 315 million versus 350, 12 years, people within baseball both current executives former executives people in the media who cover the sport every day and give you great information every day uh for the athletic or for whatever publication uh or platform that you use there are certain ways that baseball business is done and i'm not going to give you that this is how it's always been done this is how it should be done because i am constitutionally against that concept but when there is a problem in baseball that the fans see, except for those in New York, and even those in New York should see it if they're paying attention. But when we have been around owners and the game long enough, for those of us who have, and I'm lucky enough to be in a situation where I'm on both sides of the fence and have been for more than 20 years, what Steve Cohn is doing with the Mets it is going to have a deleterious impact on the sport and it is going to lead to changes. It's not even a question. Where we are now as an industry is we're figuring out, both inside and outside of baseball, what those changes are going to be. Because when you've got a runaway train, which is what the Mets payroll is, You have no choice but to put stops up, whether those stops are a salary cap, whether those stops are some sort of punishment against a team that does that. It's important to note that the union is going to agree with this because if you've got the Mets in your division, what is the incentive of the Marlins to try to win the division or the Nationals to try to win the division? How do the Phillies feel about having spent all this money knowing that they're so far behind the Mets now in terms of payroll? The Braves locked up their core. They've won the division five years in a row. What is it like for them to realize that they're being outspent in a way that that's only how low payroll teams used to feel? Now when you have high payroll teams feeling that they're like low payroll teams as compared to one team's payroll – you get a commonality of interest amongst 29 franchises even those in the american league and that's a problem and rob Manford, the commissioner knows that's a problem and it's not for another day it's for this day it's not going to manifest itself in 2023 but the kernels the seeds have been planted it's growing like an avocado plant in a glass jar it's happening Reasonable time refers to Scott Boris's explanation of what went down. It puts the P in preposterous. He wants us to believe that the Giants and Correa had reached an agreement, which they have. The way it works in free agency is you get a LOA, letter of agreement. The team sends one over to the agent regarding a player and a free agent. The agent then marks it up, showing it to the agent's legal staff, sends it back to the team. The team is working with its legal staff and they come to an agreement about the terms of the contract and about the guarantee language. All negotiation is related to the guarantee language. What is it that my player cannot do? What are the prohibited activities? what are the payment terms what's the upfront money what do we talk is there tax equalization if the player is traded to a state where there is taxes if the player is signing in a state where there are no taxes how much money gets paid when each year etc but the guarantee language is the only part that differs from player to player and team to team There's a standard, it's called the Uniform Player Contract, a UPC, that all players sign, whether you're making 700 grand or 70 million, they're all signing the same UPC. It is the guarantee language that differs in these contracts. And you reach an agreement on that guarantee language, which gets approved by the union, by the way, it gets approved by Major League Baseball, by the way, then it gets executed. But every agreement says the same thing, pending physical. It's the equivalent, as you know, when you buy a house and it's pending inspection. You get an out. There's an out, a termite out. So the giants took advantage of that and got out of the deal. And what happens in a house when there's termites or when there's a problem with the inspection or a problem with the roof or a problem with the siding, whatever the case may be, you negotiate, hey, here's what it will cost to repair The buyer takes 50%, the seller takes 50%, whatever the case is, those are pretty cut and dry fixes when it comes to a house. When it comes to an injury that a player may have had or will have, or there's some sort of degenerative issue, you're talking about something that's very hard to define. Is it going to happen in four years, in six years, in eight years? Will it never happen at all? Scott Boris, as you know, unwilling to negotiate. Fine. So he tells you that we reached an agreement we had a letter of agreement. We gave them a time frame to execute it. That is not how the letter agreements work. What you do is when you're negotiating with an agent, you make an offer in writing. We are offering, we are pleased to offer Carlos Correa a 13 year, $350 million deal broken out like this. Here's our version of the guarantee language you do not say in that letter of agreement that you send this letter of agreement terminates in 30 minutes like mission impossible it's going to blow up if you don't agree to it an offer on the other hand if you're a good executive does have an expiration date because you don't want your player the player or the agent to shop that offer of course scott boris doesn't do that because he told you we're not in the matching game it and i and i of course they are they take what players do is they get an offer fax to them jerry Maguire style they then call all the other teams and say we have this in hand are you ready to go higher of course they lie about what they have in hand so the teams go even higher than they need to to outbid the team that makes the initial offer so when boris says that we gave them a time frame to execute it uh that does not pass the smell test to me having done these deals with boris but he, he continued to explain it by saying they advised us they still had questions they still wanted to talk to other people other doctors go through it so once you sign an agreement it is executed there is no physical scott and you know this why would you lie to us there is no physical until there's an executed agreement just like there's no inspection until you have executed a deal to buy a house then you get a bank out you have 30 days to get a mortgage get it inspected yada 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 they had an agreement a signed agreement with Korea. then the physical happens there is no set time period in the agreement that says post physical you've got 40 minutes to come up with the results of the blood test the blood work and the MRIs There is no, hey, if you have questions about the physical, you've got 22 hours to get those questions answered or you've got to go forward and say that the preconditions have been met, the physical has been passed, and that agreement becomes binding. That does not exist. And then Boris said, look, I've given you a reasonable time. I've given you a reasonable time What's a reasonable time for a 13-year, $350 million deal? And whose definition of reasonable are we using? Reasonable people differ. I can give you four reasons why reasonable people differ. Let's start with this. Sometimes the insurance company doesn't get back to you immediately on the terms of the insurance that you are trying to get for the player. Sometimes the insurance company is you're going back and forth and you're arguing over what the deductible is going to be, what the premium is going to be, when you're going to pay the premium, whether it's going to be annual, whether it's going to be one upfront payment. Sometimes the owner, Charles Johnson, is going to decide I'm going to self-insure, which means we're not going to take insurance. And if the player gets hurt, that'll just be part of our player budget. There is no reasonable time for that to happen It happens when it happens deals happen when they happen when you put timelines in deals in business when you're having mergers or when you're buying another company you put in deadlines by which a deal needs to happen or the following four things happen one the price changes each day two the seller has an opportunity to go shop the business somewhere else three the buyer has an opportunity to bring on partners and if they can't bring on partners in x amount of time they don't have to go forward on the deal and You come to an agreement in advance what that period will be, and there can be a breakup fee. So you have 30 days to finish this deal. If this deal does not get financed in 30 days, the buyer will pay the seller $5 million as a breakup fee for wasting 30 days with a buyer who couldn't close when they could have been negotiating with other potential buyers. That is reasonable in business. That happens in business. That doesn't happen in baseball when it comes to signing players. I've given you a reasonable time. Give me a time frame. If you're not going to execute, I need to go talk with other teams. Do you believe for one second that when San Francisco first raised a possible problem with the physical for Carlos Correa, that Scott Boris did not start talking to other teams? You think he sat there? You think that the story coming out of of New York and of Scott Boris is that Stephen Cohn was sipping Mai Tais in Hawaii in his shorts and white socks and sneakers and just got a call and said, by the way, we've got Correa available. You do, we'll take him 12, 325, 12, 315, whatever it was. It's not how it happened. That's not how it does happen. A good agent, and Scott Boris is a good agent, when there is the tiniest of hiccups They are going out there and they are going to the teams who are right up there with one in Correa and they're revisiting other teams, including those who had signed shortstops. You think that Boris didn't call Philadelphia? If Texas can have Simeon and Seager, I promise you they can have Turner and Correa. He calls every team and says, listen, we got a situation here. I think I'm going to make Correa available to you. Steve Cohn gets the call from Scott Boris and tells Scott I'm in. I'm going to just call Billy Epler. I'm going to call Theo. I'm going to make it pretty clear that we want him. And then Steve Cohn gave a quote to the New York Post which was spectacular because it had people in the commissioner's office running around like chickens without a head. He actually said, in the end, what the heck's the difference? If you're trying to make a move, you make the move. If it's a few percent more, what's the difference? We needed one more thing, and this is it. This was important because this puts us over the top. Steve. Why didn't you sign Correa to 13350 before the Giants did? You just woke up and you realized that Carlos Correa puts you over the top? Or did you read a bunch of articles where Mets fans were saying, This is great. We're so glad you signed Nimmo and Diaz. It's great. Verlander replaces DeGrom. Lovely signing with Adam Otavino. Terrific job. David Robertson, hell yeah. But man, we need bats. You don't think Steve Cohn has people, while they're fluffing him in Hawaii, telling him that well, the uh, the public is really not so happy because while you're spending all this money, you still need bats. That epiphany happened post him agreeing with the Giants. No, come on, you all know better than that. What's the reason that Steve Cohn agreed to sign Correa? What changed? He wasn't willing to match the 350. If he weren't willing to match the 350, then what he says isn't right. In the end, what the heck's the difference? He's referring to the amount of luxury tax he's paying. He's referring to giving Correa 12 years, 315. But he actually negotiated with Boris because he wasn't going to match the 13, 350, He said, Carlos Correa, there has to be a penalty for failing a physical, for you coming begging back to me. It's just an ego play between behemoth, sociopathic, egomaniacal narcissists. I've been in rooms like that. Maybe I've been that. The way it works is you got to get a small victory if you're Steve Cohn. And Scott Boris has to get a small victory by getting Correa pretty damn close to what he had gotten. Very close in the AAV, 29 or 29-8, whatever it was, close enough. But Steve's explanation made no sense to me. I wanted his quotes to be the following. When I looked at our team, we knew we needed another hitter. And I didn't have the opportunity to match the thirteen three fifty for Carlos Correa. I didn't want to wait for Shohei Otani next year because... Next year, 2023, is so important. We've got to try to get this World Series. The year after, in 24, we'll still have Scherzer. We'll still have Verlander. And we have a chance to also bring in other players to help. But that will be a year closer to my window of saying I'm going to win the World Series, to my window of being willing to lose this amount of money, my window of tax pennies. Therefore... I was gonna spare no expense. But as a businessman who runs a hedge fund, I'm also not gonna take a loss and just bail out Boris by matching Correa's deal. A little haircut, tiny little one. That'd be a nice and honest statement. But when he talks about what's the difference about luxury tax and the fact that it moves a move and we're now over the top, that means he's acknowledging. You never say to your fan base, hey, this puts us over the top. Because does that mean if you don't win this year that you're not going to add next year because you said this is the move that puts us over the top? But if you don't get over the top, is it because the people you chose aren't good enough or they didn't play well enough or there was some sort of random event that happened that stopped you from getting to the World Series or winning the World Series? But you're going to bring in another player, but you're still going to say that what you did last year brought you over the top. Never say that. Never. Silly. But that's not what baseball was upset about. Him acknowledging that there's no difference with the tax he pays, there's no difference with the size of his payroll, giving, you know, having a payroll of 340 versus 380, 360, 380, a luxury tax payment of 100 versus 110. What's the difference? What's 10 or 50 or 100 million between friends? I understand that that is the Michael Jordan gambling situation where Michael Jordan, when asked about his gambling, would say, hey, if you look at the amount of money I have, I am doing the same thing that other Sunday golfers do when they bet $3 a hole or $5 a hole. Me betting $100,000 a hole, it's just math. So it's not a problem. I don't have a gambling problem. The way golfers who go and play skins, you know, for $5 or people who bet sports books, right? If you're betting $5 a game versus 5000 a game, if you have Less money, the percentage is what matters. And that's where the problem comes from, right? The problem doesn't come from betting every day. The problems are addressing when you're betting with money you don't have. So, Steve Cohn telling you it doesn't make a difference, what Steve Cohn is saying is with the money I have, I'm willing to have this payroll because it makes sense financially but it doesn't make sense from a team standpoint. And in fact, word came out that it's likely that he's going to lose about $200 million next year. Owners do not want other teams being willing to lose that amount of money because then you've got a wider and greater gap. The San Francisco Giants very badly needed to respond to this because I did an interview in San Francisco yesterday and their fan base is absolutely despondent. And people are saying, you let us down. Charles Johnson, you're rich. How could you have done this to us? Farhan, what's your plan? We're supposed to be good, but you're not signing anybody. And I knew they were gonna release a statement because you had to hear their voice, but they released a statement that said, we are prohibited from disclosing confidential medical information as Scott Boris stated publicly. There was a difference of opinion over the results of his physical examination. We wish Carlos the best. No, they got it wrong. These are so easy to do, these statements. If you're Farhan, you stand up and you say, the San Francisco Giants are extremely disappointed that we did not consummate a deal with Carlos Correa. It is clear Not just that there was a difference of opinion, but that we felt it was in the best interest of our team moving forward not to have Carlos Correa on the team at the number that was previously negotiated. That's not talking about his medical. That's not violating HIPAA. But then you have to say the next sentence. We are not going to spend money just to spend money. We want to win. You better believe in me because I've done it and you better trust me because this is my job, that we're not running a $70 million payroll. We are not a low payroll team, but we are gonna spend the money the right way that will help us win another World Series championship, and that remains our goal. And allocating that amount of money to a player, one player like Carlos Correa, was not in our best interests. That's my statement. Of course, rumor comes out, as we said yesterday, the Giants may have interest in Michael Conforto. Coke, I got, I got a couple wait to sees here. Wait to sees when we tell you something's going to happen. If it does, we'll revisit it. If it doesn't, we'll revisit it. Number one, let's talk about Michael Conforto to the Giants. The Giants will not give Michael Conforto a long-term contract. Scott Boris wants to send Conforto to the Giants, like the booby prize, Match him with Haniger. you've had yourself a great offseason. He sent the book of Conforto over to the Giants already, saying he didn't get Correa, but man, this battle help you. Farhan is far too good an executive. Michael Conforto will not sign a long-term deal with the Giants. As far as the Mets are concerned, for all of this excitement surrounding the Mets, wait to see. Steve Cohn is not getting his ring. There is something called the Baseball Gods. The baseball gods will tell you that the Mets will not win the World Series in 2023. Wait to see. Wouldn't it be great to just own a team and sell it? It's pretty fun, actually. I mean, I was the president of a team. I didn't own it, but selling it, trying to get a price that's so outrageous and so beyond reason. The Phoenix Suns are being sold for $4 billion. Word came out the other day. I couldn't get to it yesterday, but I'm getting to it today and I wanna explain something that people do not understand. When you buy a asset, when you buy a car, let's say when you buy, we talked about a house earlier today, when you buy a set of tools, you are doing your research when you buy, you're doing your research about the brand, you're doing your research about the cost, you are shopping around trying to get the best value, you're negotiating, you look at the blue book value of a car, you look at the mileage of a car, you look at what other new cars are selling for the same types, you look at MSRP, you are doing all sorts of things. That is called due diligence. When you are going on a date with someone, you are engaged in due diligence with that person. You are exploring, do I like this person? Am I attracted to this person? Am I laughing with this person? Is this person my person? Does it put me on the happy train to be with this person? that is due diligence when you are buying a company you do something called due diligence due diligence is when you look at all of the finances of the company and you look at their p l you look at their cash flow their income statement their balance sheet you look at the underlying contracts if you are buying a widget making company you are looking at the machine that makes the widgets you are you are investigating it you are looking at the terms of the rental of that equipment or of the depreciation of the value of that equipment you are learning everything about it you're getting a list of employees who's owed what what's our pension liability what's the 401k plan how many employees get paid how often how much what's the industry like what's our place in the industry due diligence very common in 1999, buying the Montreal Expos, Jeffrey Lurie asked me to do the due diligence. I worked with a lawyer, and I went in to a room that was wall to wall, floor to ceiling, about due diligence file cabinets worth where we looked at every contract of every player. We looked at the TV deal. We looked at the radio deal. We looked at the rent deal with Olympic Stadium. We looked at that lease agreement for the spring training facility. We looked at the list of employees. We looked at who had guaranteed contracts, who didn't have guaranteed contracts. You do your own financial projections from the due diligence. There is math that is done certain industries trade you'll hear this in. in, you'll hear this right certain industries trade at a value of ebitda if your company has ebitda of 10 million dollars and your comp and that industry trades at 10 times ebitda that company's worth 100 million dollars and you can offer more than 100 or less than 100 but that's the general rule of the value sometimes it's a multiple of revenue hey this company has revenue of a billion dollars and it's a two times multiple industry that's a two billion dollar company those are things that in the industry right you hire bankers you hire lawyers and you make deals based on due diligence as technology changed you don't go into an actual room to do due diligence you actually go into a computer vault where it's all done on your computer, where you can see all the documents, which is tremendous. You don't have to sit in some gar du Nord in Montreal going through boxes. You get to just be online. Sports teams, however, have become an asset where there is no rhyme or reason to the price paid for a franchise. It's not based on a multiple of EBITDA because most teams have negative EBITDA. It's not based on a multiple of revenue because then teams would be worth a billion dollars at most. Forbes does these valuations of teams that is based on what they say are the numbers, but they've never been right. They have no idea what they're doing because they don't have the right information because they don't get access to it. Forbes valued the Phoenix Suns at like whatever, two and a half billion dollars. Why did the Suns then sell for $4 billion? The reason the Suns are selling for $4 billion, it's not because they get the mercury. It's not because there's extra real estate, maybe some parking lots, Frank McCourt. No, it's not about that. There is something in sports teams that does not exist when you're buying a ladder company. It's called Ego Premium. An ego premium is not definable. It's not due diligence. You don't need due diligence. It is simply a man or woman, mostly a man, saying, I want to own a team. It will feel so good to own a team. Steve Ballmer started started the ego premium when he bought the Clippers for $2 billion, acknowledging that there's no possible explanation other than I like getting into restaurants. The reason you don't need to do diligence anymore when you are buying a sports team is that there is no financial model that you can do. There is no way to say, hey, if we double the number of season ticket holders and we lower our expenses by X percent, we can generate the following operating income. Then the team can be worth X plus Y instead of just X. Those exercises don't happen. There used to be a cottage industry of bankers, independent bankers, who would do projections for potential buyers. They would examine the books and diligence and they'd be hired for millions and millions of dollars to say, this is what I would do if I ran the team. This is how I can show you. We would always call it PTP, my favorite. Oh no, sorry. That's PCP. PTP, Path to Profitability. They don't do that exercise anymore. You don't need these boutique investment banks, although everyone's still hiring them and paying them millions of dollars for reasons that are way beyond me. But there is no path to profitability when you pay $4 billion for the Phoenix Suns and the Phoenix Mercury. So why is it that Matt Ishbia did it? He and his brother got together. There, he's a mortgage, some sort of mortgage broker. He owns a, a mortgage company. Very much reminds me of the housing bubble of 2008. There's no way the NBA wants someone in that industry in the game, they really don't care though because $4 billion for the Phoenix Suns means every team just went up in value. But he's got partners with him. He's not writing a $4 billion check. There are people on the internet saying he's only worth $5 billion. He's writing a check for $4 billion. that leaves him $1 billion, is that enough? Will he be able to lose money? Will he be able to eat? Or is he down to peanut butter and jam? that's not how it works. When you hear that a team is selling for $4 billion, that does not mean that Robert Sarver is going to the bank, hitting refresh like Jesse Eisenberg and Social Network, and all of a sudden he's going to say, hey, $4 billion just hit my account. $4 billion is called the enterprise value. But you subtract from that number the debt that's on the team. You subtract from that number, there's something called working capital adjustments, you subtract from that number certain liabilities you don't want to take on. Or if you do take them on, you subtract an amount from the purchase price as, as payment for taking on those liabilities. Whatever it could be, it could be assuming lawsuits, it could be assuming some sort of obligation to a player like Bobby Bonilla who's getting paid for years but not playing. So $4 billion doesn't change hands. Let's start with that. Let's end with the fact that Robert Sarver doesn't get $4 billion. If you own a house that's worth $300,000, and you borrowed $200,000 to buy the house, you put 100,000 of your own money in, you borrowed 200,000 to sell the house, to buy the house. It's a $300,000 house. You then sell the house for $500,000. Are you putting $500,000 in your bank account? No, you got to pay the bank back the 200,000. That leaves you with 300. You spent 100 of your own money. That's a profit of 200. Oh, by the way, there's taxes on the 200. Let's just say for math, they're 20%. That means you're putting in $160,000. Stay with me on the math. That's 20%. That means that you are putting 160 in your bank account. Robert Sarver is not walking away with $4 billion. I don't know why people are very confused about that. The other thing is that what happens if other people own the house with you? Let's say that you borrowed money from your parents or you borrowed money from your sibling or you combined with someone else in the business to buy a house and you buy and sell and flip houses and you only own 50% of the house. If you own 50% of the house and the whole profit was 160,000, you only get 50% of that. That's 80,000. Robert Sarver owned 35% of the Suns. So as a start, as a start, he gets about 1.4 billion dollars of that. If my math is right. Then subtract everything else. Same with the guy buying it by the way. People are saying, oh, this guy's writing a check for $4 billion. He's got partners. He's also going to borrow money to make the acquisition the same way you would borrow money for your house. We can be better in understanding these numbers, even though the numbers are crazy. They're just zeros. Just take the zeros away and put it in an asset that you can all associate with, or I can too, whether it's a house or a car or a piece of furniture or whatever you're doing. So this guy's going to get approved. It's going quickly. Why he bid $4 billion? Ego premium. The Suns aren't worth it. Due diligence wasn't required. The NBA is so thrilled to have announced this deal because it is no coincidence that this came out on the same day that there was another investigative piece that not just Robert Sarver was doing bad things with the Suns, but it's their whole damn front office. It was like The wolf of Wall Street over there, apparently. Front office executives showing bad behavior. The best thing for the NBA is to get a new owner in there, have the new owner bring his own people, clean house, get rid of the president. Get rid of the salespeople, marketing people anybody associated with all the nefarious activities that were taking place and there were plenty of them and that's what you're going to see happen this deal will come to a close quickly because what takes time in deals is when you're negotiating what sort of money is going back and forth in purchase price adjustments but when you are paying a price like 4 billion because that's what is going for teams now You're not negotiating a $10 million or a $20 million issue, though that's what takes time. This deal's going to close extremely quickly, and the Phoenix Suns will no longer be the problem. This is the dream of the NFL with the commanders. It's the dream of MLB with the Angels. Let's get this owner, let's get these front offices and these people gone, move on, get everybody's purchase price up, everybody's asset valuation up, and everybody's happy. If I'm Scott Boris, by the way, stop representing players. Start representing owners who want to buy teams. That's real money, Scott. All right, we come back. We're going to review a movie I watched yesterday. And then we're going to talk about something that James Dolan did that uh, having been to a Nick game yesterday, I feel angry that I gave him a dollar of my money. We'll be right back. The NBA playoffs are heating up and so is the action at DraftKings Sportsbook an official sports betting partner of the NBA. With same-game parlays, live betting, odds boosts, and so much more, don't miss out as the NBA postseason winds down. Through the first round of the NBA playoffs, it's still all about the Celtics and the Nuggets. Will it be a likely matchup between the two powerhouses for the NBA championship? You can bet on the Celtics to beat the Nuggets at plus 400, or the Nuggets to beat the Celtics at plus 425 right now. And if you're new to DraftKings, you got to check this out. New customers bet 5 bucks to get 150 in bonus bets instantly. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SAMSON. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SAMSON. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler or in West Virginia, visit www.1800Gambler.net. In New York, call 877 8 HOPE NY or text HOPE NY. That's 467 369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino Resort in Kansas. 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Fuet in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance cdkngco dkng.co slash bball for eligibility and deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. Thank you. As we head toward the end of this year, it's important. Please go to the Nothing Personal with David Sampson YouTube channel and hit subscribe, please. And by the way, Joe, you never got back to us. You still won a prize. You're a subscriber. You must not listen. Maybe we should give it to someone else, Coco. Maybe after the new year, we're going to say that we gave Joe a reasonable time to respond, and he never did. Thank you for telling your friends about nothing personal. We're having fun, and we're not stopping. As a matter of fact, we're going to keep going. I watched a movie. I had no idea what it was about because it starred Elizabeth Banks and Sigourney Weaver. And Elizabeth Banks can make any movie, and I'm going to watch it doesn't matter what it is i started to love her with zach and miri make a porno which is one of the most underrated phenomenal movies ever i loved her in hunger games i've loved her everywhere she's elizabeth banks i start watching this movie called call jane and i was mortified that there was something i didn't know that came out wrong hold on coca ready four eight sixty nine I was mortified that there was something about the abortion process that I did not know. I knew Roe v. Wade was codified in the early 70s. I knew that now it's not. And there's all the issues that are going on with women's reproductive rights and people going after women's bodies and all the issues that we've talked about on this show that I'm not downplaying, but I'm going to get to the movie. I'm watching Call Jane. I don't watch the preview. I don't watch the trailer. It's got Elizabeth Banks. It turns out there were a group of women in the early 70s, late 60s, before Roe v. Wade made abortion legal federally, there were a group of women who were helping other women get abortions illegally. There was like an underground railroad of abortion doctors who may or may not have been doctors, of women who were helping other women with transportation, helping women who couldn't afford it, helping women who could afford it, The movie called Jane stars Sigourney Weaver playing not Jane because Jane is like Jane Doe, but she started this organization and Elizabeth Banks was a consumer because she got pregnant and had to be very secretive about getting her, terminating her pregnancy. But then she gets involved in the process. She gets involved in helping other women. This was 50 years ago. That's it and we're right back where we were where these organizations have to start up again this is a politically charged movie if you have a view on the abortion issue and you are pro-choice or you're anti-choice because that's not I've never I don't think it's anti-abortion or pro-abortion it's about women having control of their bodies that's where I stand on that issue I always think it's been mislabeled very strange I am clearly and fully and completely pro choice. It is a woman's body. Let a woman do with it as she wishes. She wants to have the baby, great. Don't want to have the baby, great. Woman's choice. Done. We're right back to these sorts of organizations popping up again. That's not progress. That's pathos. I was going to say pathetic, and then I said pathos. But it's just not progress. Call Jane is a very important movie. I'd like everyone to see it. Find it. It's on one of your streaming networks. It may not be free. You may have to pay $20. It's well worth it to see the courage of women and what they were doing in the late 60s, early 70s, and to realize that we need women to be this courageous now. I can't stand when societies go backwards. The whole purpose is to go forward. That's the whole idea. That's what technological advances are. That's what intellectual advances are. We're always moving forward. Not in this issue, we're not. All right, Coca. You know what I want? Ah, 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 ah. I want to talk to Samson. So you want to talk to Samson. Hi, David. Love the show and don't miss it. Thank you. I would love to hear your thoughts on the attorney who got booted from seeing the rockettes at radio city she was with her daughter's girl scout troop because her firm is involved in litigation against msg there were parentheses in that question that i didn't read but i don't want to take the time to reread it because i want to get right into this issue james dolan is the owner of madison square garden he's the owner of the knicks he also owns Radio City Music Hall. James Dolan has a philosophy, which is, if you are a lawyer who is suing us, I do not want you in any of my venues. James Dolan has access to technology, which has facial recognition software. They have to put a sign there, but I just saw the sign coincidentally going to the Nick game two nights ago. And the sign said, we are using facial recognition software for your safety. I guess they're looking like for terrorists. I was wondering what they happened. Hey, is that that Samson? Get him out of here. He wanted to fire Isaiah Thomas out of here. So I didn't think anything of it. And then this story comes out, which says that the facial recognition software identified a lawyer for a firm who is a woman with children, part of her girl, a Girl Scout troop. How do they recognize which face? They want to not let in. It's not that someone looks on a camera and says, Hey, there's a dark haired person. There's dark skin. There's light skin. There's long eyelashes. There's short. There's tall. No, they put in pictures of people they don't want in. Madison Square Garden at the request of James Dolan, Radio City Music Hall at the request and demand of James Dolan entered. A picture of every single lawyer in every single firm that has any sort of litigation against the Knicks or the Rangers or Radio City Music Hall, didn't matter. When the picture is in the system, the software looks at everybody and says, oh, Jane Doe's walking in. All of a sudden, like Minority Report, people jump down from the sky. They rappel down from the rafters. And they say to this woman who had already made it through, had given her ticket, said, you are kicked out. She said, I'm with kids. What do you want me to do? Don't care. You are not allowed in here at the demand of James Dolan. The kids stayed and watched the Rockettes and she didn't want to get arrested. She left. When asked about this, MSG said, MSG instituted a straightforward policy that precludes attorneys from firms pursuing active litigation against the company from attending events at our venues until that litigation has been resolved. George Orwell has nothing on James Dolan. Every narcissistic, insane person has nothing on James Dolan. While we understand this policy is disappointing to some, we cannot ignore the fact that litigation creates an inherently adversarial environment. Don't try to bully people, James. Is that your plan? You think that law firms are going to drop litigation because their lawyers can't go see the Rockets or can't go see the Knicks or can't go see the Rangers? I wish I were still practicing because I would become one of the law firms or one of the people that just starts suing you. I want to get every law firm to start suing you. The big ones, too, the ones who own your boxes, the ones who sponsor you. I want the lawyers for J.P. Morgan to start suing you so you don't let in J.P. Morgan either. That means that a teller at a branch at J.P. Morgan would not chase would not be allowed into a game because they're somehow associated with a law firm that is suing you. And MSG has the gall, not James Dolan. MSG has the gall to say all impacted attorneys were notified of the policy, including this woman's law firm. They were notified twice. Up yours. You think that that's somehow going to have the desired effect? That they're going to drop the litigation because all of a sudden what you did was right? Is that the society that we want where people have the ability to bully? Therefore, they can just keep doing whatever the hell they want. That's how you get to Daniel Snyder and Robert Sarver and all the other misogynist, racist people out there when there's no consequences and they can do whatever they want and no one says no, no one stands up to them. And I'm not talking about speaking truth to power. I'm talking about what's right and what's wrong. I would have done a lot of things as president of a team. No doubt about that. And there are ways that you can penalize law firms. And we had law firms who were suing us, and I was happy to take their money, number one. But number two, I could not invite them to season ticket events, or I could not do anything extra special for them because I was upset that they were suing what I thought was frivolous. But using the facial recognition software to kick out an attorney, or anybody for that matter, for that reason, 151 and 124 nothing personal pick of the day we had the Cavs minus two over the Bucks. were you worried we're hot right now Cavs beat the Bucks. 151 and 124 Thursday night football we're back baby Jaguars Trevor Lawrence is playing great I'm one of the people that was not a Trevor Lawrence guy I thought he was going to be a total bust I'm not willing to say Zion Williamson right but he certainly is playing better and the jets just have it's a nightmare remember we did that segment about who's going to play quarterback well their games tonight they ended up naming wilson at the quarterback because white's not ready doesn't matter jaguars plus one and a half versus the jets the jets are in one of those indoor skydiving places total free fall as though they turn the air off while you're skydiving inside jags plus one and a half versus jets i do corrections on this show you know that we are uh, live to tape We don't edit. When I sneeze or burp or fart, it's just part of the show, right? Sometimes I hit the cough button, sometimes I don't. I make mistakes that Coca doesn't catch that I don't catch, but you catch, and then I correct him. When we reviewed The Fablemans, I told you that Tom Stoppard wrote it along with Steven Spielberg. No, I totally got confused. It's Tony Kushner, the great writer and playwright who co-wrote The Fablemans. Thank you to the listener. There were many of you, but to the first one, once I saw it, immediately got corrected. All right, we are back tomorrow, I promise you that. Until then, it's just business. This is Nothing Personal. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently